Welcome to that Groovy Scoobcast. Your go-to audio hub for all things Scooby-Doo. Will the Chupacabra show up tomorrow at the Day of the Dead festivities, or will he remain as elusive as the Loch Ness Monster, or the Perfect Boyfriend? This has been Alexander Gutierrez reporting from Veracruz. Back to you guys. I'm your host, Derek. And I'm your host, Shannon. And we have a special guest host today. Welcome, Alex. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Alex, how are you feeling about being on the podcast today? I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah? Get to tell you guys how this really is. How that, how the movie was? Yeah, it was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, before we really get into it, Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my real name is Alexander. I'm actually dating the star of this show, Derek, and my bestest friend is the even bigger superstar, Shannon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You sounded really hostile about that. Sometimes uh, I get hostile. It happens. You should know this. This is apparently our super fan. Yeah. (laughs) I am. I'm great. He's never listened to a single episode. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. It was just long. He supports us, though. I'm very supportive. I'm very supportive of the arts of Derek and Shannon. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your relationship with Scooby-Doo. You know, how did you first interact with the cartoon? Did you watch it as a kid? What's, What's your overall association with this show well honestly i did watch it as a kid but not too too much i mean everyone's watched scooby-doo it's, it's nationally it's a big thing you know but besides that i honestly only got into scooby-doo when i met derek because derek is an avid scooby collector and loves scooby-doo therefore i was entrapped and forced into such you're not the only one there's a reason that i'm the one podcasting with him and none of his other friends are Oh, you got entrapped too? Yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> it happens. So I want you to say in one word, Alex, what are your thoughts on Scooby-Doo and the monster of Mexico? Ignorant. To give you a little bit of backstory on this, Alex is Mexican and has a really firsthand view of a lot of the topics that are shown in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a little problematic. Most of it makes no sense. <laughs> this movie is... Uh, I, it's funny because I loved this movie as a kid. I thought it was great. But as always, as we always say, you know, when you watch now, it, your opinion is so much different. And knowing how I review movies and also, you know, contextualizing it with how you feel about it, it really changes your perspective on the movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, this week we're not actually going to be doing the Mystery Machine match like we usually do. Uh, We just wanted to introduce our guest host, who we're really happy to have here today. So are you guys ready to dive into this movie? I am so ready. Let's go. All right. Well, we'll first start off with our premise. Our premise for Scooby-Doo and the Monster of Mexico is coming from Scoobypedia. Scooby and the gang are in Mexico for the Day of the Dead, but there's a chupacabra on the loose. That is a very vague premise of what we just watched. It is, and the fact that they came in for the Day of the Dead, but we never really see Day of the Dead celebration. At all. Like, they start to kind of get into it, but everything they show is wrong. So they might as well, why even say that's the Day of the Dead? Like. It more seems like a coincidence that they were just there during the Day of the Dead. Yeah. Well, because they they got the email from. Alejo. From Alejo. Because he's pen pals with Fred, and so we got the email saying, like, hey, the rainy season is over. 
Which, which it's not. Which but. it's not, but okay. Uh, and then, you know, they go to Mexico. So it was kind of just a, oh, and it's also the Day of the Dead. Well, the beginning of this movie takes place in Veracruz, the city that Scooby and the gang will be visiting in Mexico. We see all sorts of really fun festivities going on. There's people playing instruments. There's tourists shopping and hanging out. Really fun evening. And we see our main supporting character, Alejo. He and his son, Jorge, they're playing some instruments. And they're also playing with their chihuahua, Chiquita. And Chiquita notices a strange shadow off in the distance. So she goes and follows it. And she eventually finds El Chupacabra. When we first see him, he's like all shady and there's like a glowing green light, which I think is really weird, the, gr- the green light, because it just seems like a special effect more so than actually being necessary for the monster's costume. But I did note that this chihuahua is really brave. She starts barking at it like she's going to take it on. No. <laughs> That's just chihuahuas. Yeah. Well, I have one. I know. Yes. <laughs> Right. Well, and I literally wrote, fuck that dog. And then I crossed off that dog and just put chihuahuas in general. I just have to say, how is it that he did not notice that little Jorge went missing? I wrote that too. Because because, that's just bad parenting. Like, Mexican parents don't play that shit. I'm just saying, my parents had, like, an arm width length thing. You get hit for doing that. Well, he also shouted the dog's name when he went after her. So he's still just standing there playing. Just, oh, there's Jorge. Well, you see, but you see, like, what I'm saying is, like, Jorge even said, Chiquita, and, like, started following her. Like, how did you not notice that? That's just bad parenting. Just bad, bad parenting. parenting. Yep. So Jorge ends up finding Chiquita, confronting the monster, and then Alejo eventually notices that Jorge's gone, goes and finds him, and he picks up Jorge and Chiquita, and it's just like, Al Chupacabra, and freaks out, and he runs back to the town. Okay. I also want to point out that Jorge, at least in my opinion, looks like the annoying kid from 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Flim Flam. Yeah. Little bit, I think. Eh. Like a distant cousin, maybe. You're comparing a Mexican to a Himalayan. I don't know. They looked similar. You're racist. That's racist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Jorge goes back to the town square and just starts yelling... The Chupacabra is here. Yeah, he and Alejo both do, yeah. So I just have to throw this out there. Like, when people just run out of nowhere and just like, hey, there's a Chupacabra, most of the time people don't just, like, hysterically run away. And, you know, how many times have I walked into somewhere and been like, oh, look, there's Jason. And you don't see people just freak out. Oh, it's Jason. right. Oh, my God, it's Jason. Right. It was, like, they went into hysterics. The entire town was in chaos. Okay. The only thing I have to say about that is because, first off, that wasn't a chupacabra. That was that was Bigfoot. Chupacabras yeah. don't look like that. They well, look they describe him as the Mexican Bigfoot in the movie, but in actual mythology, no. That's, he's, not, no. that's not what he is. No. In actual mythology, a, a chupacabra is like a 12-foot dog. With like it, It's creepy. And it's like more vampire-ish instead I mean, of never, like a whole bunch of teeth. I've never really been familiar with like what it actually looks like, but... I do know for a fact that's not what it is. Exactly. But I agree with Alex that it's so funny how the town just goes into utter chaos when he's just screaming about us. But the town never actually, like, sees it. He's, like, hiding up in the tower, and you see him, and you know he's just like, ah, and that's when they show the, the intro credits. But, like, no one actually sees the monster. They're just taking this guy's word for it. And 
oh my god, end of the world, everyone freak out. Because Jorge well, would never cry wolf. No, well, even the tourists are freaking out. Like, you probably don't even know what a chupacabra is. Why are you freaking out? So we do see the monster briefly. You know, he's hanging out in a tower watching over the town going to chaos. After we see the monster, it cuts into, like, the intro credits. So we see the title of the movie, and we see, like, you know, this is a Hanna-Barbera production. And something that I wanted to know, just from a graphic designer perspective, is that all of the font for the credits is Comic Sans. I hated the intro entirely. Because they have those green glowing eyes yeah. of the chupacabra flying around as like the motif of the intro, which also doesn't make sense because no, they don't really emphasize the eyes a lot in the movie. Something I noted, I, I really paid attention to the credits for this movie because Velma and Daphne's voices kind of bothered me when I was listening to them throughout the movie. I noted the fact that they actually are the original voice actresses from the 70s. I was surprised to find that out because... Yeah, their their voices kind of annoyed me, and then they were different. Weren't I they? felt really bad when they were like the original cast is back, and I was like, "Shit, I hated them." Particularly <laughs> Daphne, though. Yeah, I think Daphne was the one that sounded the weirdest. She just sounded a lot more adult, and I think that's just because you know the this is thirty, up. forty years later. But yeah, it was just something that threw me off. Um, can we all talk, can we all talk about? The gang emailing or chatting each other on their desktop computers. Yes, because <laughs> so many of that messed me up. Have we ever seen the gang email? Like, they've never texted, emailed, whatever. Like, they're usually together or they'll call and be like, hey, let's go hang out for a sec. Well, here's the thing with that. The the Monster of Mexico movie is one of the nine movies that fall underneath the What's New Scooby-Doo era. So... What you're watching is a movie that's supposed to be in the style of What's New Scooby-Doo. What's New Scooby-Doo was intended to bring the cartoon into the 21st century. Okay. So them talking on the computers is actually just that further movement of it being a modern day story. Gotcha. So that it's not that it's weird that they're talking on the computers. My thing is the fact that they're just typing with each other they type really loudly they press their keys really hard they do and then their hands are all messed up and they're talking while they're writing that just got on my nerves just like why didn't they just skype (laughs) and like velma would stop typing halfway through and keep keep talking talking. (laughs) she had her keyboard really hard like i hope she has insurance or it's adele or something because otherwise your hands screwed (laughs) so something i noted about this scene Fred is emailing Alejo or chatting with him. And that's when Alejo is saying that, you know, the rainy season is done in Mexico and, you know, you all should come. And he invites Fred and the gang. They plan this trip and they leave the next day. Oh, I know. Who goes goes to Mexico, to another country in a day? And I can't afford that. (laughs) So first off, I want to ask Alex and Derek, would you go to let alone a different state, a different country, to meet a pen pal you've never met the day he invites you. Let alone, like, all of that. You planned it, got a ticket, got on the plane, got everything done and over with. That's insane. The day of. Right. Like, they all threw their suitcases and left the next day. Okay, first of all, I don't even know how you get a pen pal nowadays. And then second of all, no. Why would you? And... For real. How can you afford to literally just the next day be like, hey guys, so you want to go to Mexico? So when they start talking to Shaggy and Scooby, they're making a pizza. 
Yes. The pizza is fucking disgusting. It has no cheese cheese on it. (laughs) It's got no cheese, but it's still like gooey and like sticks together. And I would never, I could never eat that. That's disgusting. I feel like there's something wrong with that sauce. Yeah. I think it's funny that Velma tried to entice them to go to Mexico by (laughs) by describing the Day of the Dead. She says it incorrectly, but she basically says, hey, this is the day where the dead come back to life for two days. And it's like, why would that make them want to go? (laughs) (laughs) And that's basically what Shaggy and Scooby say, too. They were like, yeah, we're good. Thanks. I mean, she also says that they have good food or whatever, so that makes them want to go. When they logged off, when, um, when Shaggy and Scooby logged off, Daphne, Fred, and Velma all looked at the camera. Oh, yeah, you're right. My, my only other note for that part, like, that whole typing part, was the fact that whenever they got their emails, it was all in their voices. Like, the notifications. So, like, Fred's was just like, you've got mail. And it was Fred saying it. And when Velma got hers, it was like, jinkies, mail, or something like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I wish my email did that. Well, and then it was all of their catchphrases. Like, yeah. zoinks, you've got mail. Right, right. Um, so, Shaggy and Scooby think that it's appropriate to just pack food. On this trip to another country. And they forgot salsa? Right. And they're going to Mexico. Like, that's legit salsa you're about to get in Mexico. I bring salsa to Mexico. I'm getting real salsa in Mexico. Right. Um, so that's when we get the first music montage of the movie, where we just see a lot of fun scenes of their vacation coming down. Um, the only one that I really noted was that when they were going through customs and immigration, they were passing over the border, and, um... And Shaggy's passport has Scooby's face in it. I'm like, how did that get approved? Well, and I want to point out that the passport guy already looked pissed off before he even saw the picture. I saw that too. Like, he smiled and nodded at Daphne, and then he picked up the Shaggy's passport and looked at him like, fuck you. And, and then, then he opened, opens the passport. And then he opened it up and was like, wow, actually, fuck you. Um, He's already suspicious of this guy. I want, and then imagine like when they do like the random check on his suitcase and they're like, fucking all this food. <laughs> but I, I want to know because before that, um, they were absolutely petrified of a skunk. They all saw it in the street and they got just, out of the car. They got out of the car. They went onto a billboard when they were in the car. So you left the safety of the car. Walked past the skunk and went up a billboard. And like billboards are high, you have to climb that was all the a way lot up work. there. And they got there in like five seconds. I will. They note, were scared. <laughs> I will note that that billboard was a uh, Smiley's Entertainment billboard. Oh, I missed that. I noticed that. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that later. But uh, the only other thing that I noted from this montage was that this is the very first time, and I think the only time that we see that front cap on the mystery machine opened for the spare tire. Yeah. I think that's the only time you ever see that used. I always assumed it was a spare tire, but I never knew for sure. As a kid, I never really knew because I was a stupid kid. But <laughs> <laughs> but then when we saw this movie and I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But I just that's the only time you ever see that happen. I My think. only real concern about like that scene is how did they attach the wheel when there is no rim on that wheel? This makes no sense to me. And then he literally just grabs it and is like, oh yeah, let me just, and sticks it on the van. This makes no sense. So they finally get to Veracruz and they meet Alejo. Alejo comes out of his front guest cottage. He owns a hotel. That's what we figure out. But he comes out of the guest cottage that he was in. And 
Fred's just like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. You must be Alejo. And then these are my friends. And like, let me introduce you. And Alejo's like, oh, no need. You've talked to me about these guys all the time. And he goes, that's Daphne. That's Velma. That's Senior Scooby. And looks at Shaggy. She's like, is that Shaggy? He doesn't look like he can eat everything out of your house at home. And Fred's just like, he has a really fast metabolism. I wanted him to be like, yeah, he gets his stomach pumped weekly. <laughs> no, it's just very blunt. Just, you know. Yeah. He's got a fast metabolism. Eats everything. So something I thought was a little, I don't want to say it was ignorant because they were, that was up the point of the joke is that they're supposed to be ignorant. But I think it's funny that the gang thought that the guest cottage that Alejo first came out of was his entire house. Well, <laughs> okay, I actually did write. Thank you. I did write something down. I wrote, I wrote that they were actually really sweet to, like, not say anything. Because he was like, okay, let me show you the house. And they all, like, walked inside no, the cottage. No, he did say something. He didn't say it directly to Alejo, but he did say it to the gang right so before. It's small. Yeah. And she, what was it? Velma said it was quaint. No, oh. Daphne did. Daphne said no, yeah, it was Shaggy was just like, oh, it's, uh, and Daphne's like, quaint? And he's like, small. small. And then Alejo comes out. I'm just like really oh i missed that part <laughs> yeah, i did i, I did notice that, that. <laughs> because i was just kind of like you know they didn't really like they weren't rude about it it was just like oh okay like so this is what we're staying in well the gang's never like outright offensive in my opinion i think it's just the movie and the nature of the movie is ignorant yeah they just don't know no they're just poor ignorant white yeah people. <laughs> like <laughs> like they're still idiots and you should probably research where you're going before you go there you know before you make a 75 minute movie about a country you've never been to or know anything clearly about. they didn't even know what day of the dead was when they were like let's put it in the movie <laughs> yeah you can kind of see that they describe it as the mexican halloween yeah that's not what it day is. of the dead isn't even in halloween it's not even close you know mexicans we celebrate Halloween, too. I know. That's why, like, because I was sitting there. They said something about Halloween. I was like, but it's not Halloween yet. It's not. We celebrate that, too. Yeah. They, they go trick-or-treating also. But but Day of the Dead is, is celebrating the dead. different right. thing. That's not, that's not in Halloween time. Um, Don't get candy. After the gang basically asks Alejo, he's like, oh, we thought this was your house. He's like, no, this is just one of the guest cottages. Each one of you will have your own. This is where we live. And he shows the beautiful... He's all just nice about it. Like, oh, yeah, no, no. this is not it. It's over here. It's beautiful. And the hotel is called La Villa Bella. Is that what he pronounced La it Villa as? La Villa Bella. Yeah. Or Bella. I think he said Bella. He How would you Bea. pronounce it, babe? I would say Bella. Bella. La Villa Bella. Okay. Another assumption that the gang made is that all of those kids that are in the pool are all their children. He kind of implied it, though, because he A said, bit. well, he was like, this is my mother, this is my wife, and here's the rest of my family. Blah, 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 names off all the kids. off all the names, And then they're like, oh, are all of these your kids? And they're like, no. (laughs) I mean, but I'm not going to lie. I totally believe that those were all his kids. (laughs) 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 When we first watched this, I was like, dang. They've been busy. busy. (laughs) Like, you got like 13. She's been pregnant her whole life. So this is when Scooby meets Chiquita, his love interest of this movie. Mm -hmm. I love... The size disparity. <laughs> a Great Dane in love with a Chihuahua. Okay, I'm you sorry. Break that poor little Chihuahua. My, uh, 
We're introduced to Louise and Charlene. So Louise is Alejo's older brother, and Charlene is his fiance. Who, by the way, her entire ass is literally square. Like, it looks like a box. If she sits down, she'll, like, be, like, three feet taller. Um, <laughs> almost right away when we saw Charlene, I said that she was the villain. You audibly said that. Yeah, you were just yeah. like, she's the villain. Yeah. First time we watched this movie, and I've seen this movie before, so I knew she was. I'm just like... I love how obvious it is. (laughs) She was just, she was so extra. And I was like, yeah, she's the villain. I will say I was wrong because I thought Louise was going to be in on it. Yeah. And he wasn't. Well, Louise is one of my least favorite characters in this movie. Yeah. I do not like him. I don't like how he talks. When he's describing how he met Charlene, he says that he met her on his last trip to the United States. And he met her at the Smiley's Entertainment Park somewhere in the States. So she came back with him. They're engaged. And he, he like, really slowly says, and I've been smiling ever since. And I'm just like, ew. (laughs) In my opinion, I think that they were going to make Louise the, um, like, the accomplice. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end decided not to. Yeah. Because it was such a buildup. And then at the end, everyone was, like, apologizing because it was like, yeah, you know, we weren't really sure because you were kind of acting shady. Which he was. He was the whole time. But they never audibly said it, so there was no reason to apologize. But I think they did it because, like, they were apologizing. I took it as an apology to us that, like... (laughs) Yeah, we're sorry. We, we lied made, to you and forgot to take it. Yeah, back. he's a we, good guy. Like he's, he's a, a good, good guy. guy. We just we made him really shady and we're sorry. Um, I, I just have to throw out there that I hate her. I hate Charlene. <laughs> that is the most ignorant person in this movie. Talk it out. I'm sorry. That woman is ignorant. She said, "I love these loco Mexican traditions." Loco. That's crazy in Mexican. <laughs> that is the most ignorant thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Well, she did correct herself, actually. Did you hear that? Because she said, that's that's crazy in Mexican. I mean Spanish. Either way. Either way, it's ignorant. Oh, that's yeah. ignorant in any language. I was really surprised that they included that. Because, yeah, there was a lot. Like, she was the racist white lady. Mm-hmm. Well, when we find out in the end that she actually is one of the villains... It makes sense because she doesn't give a fuck. And the other accomplice is racist too. So, yeah. <laughs> racist white people. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so, go ahead. They were talking about the coffee. Yes, the cafe leche. Okay. I think that's what they said. So, I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, when they're talking about how you have to like bang your spoon on it your seems glass. It's really annoying. It does. I'd be pissed if I was like working somewhere and I, you know, somebody had to go around and pour a coffee. That kind of is rude to me. Yeah, and somebody just started banging on their cup like, fuck you, get your own milk. The only time that I could see that being acceptable is when you're at a wedding and you're trying to make the couple kiss. Yeah. You know, that's the only time you do that, I yeah. feel like. Um, so after they meet Charlene and Louise, they decide to all have lunch and they're eating and they're talking about having their fiesta and their siestas. They're interrupted by Diego Fuente. He is a very well-dressed older gentleman and he asks Doña Dolores, Alejo and Louise's mother, if he could have a word with her sons. And she just like takes a moment and thinks about it and she's just like... As you wish. <laughs> Probably because they're tired of his shit. Like, supposedly he's been trying to get them to sell this land forever. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, 
Yeah, whatever. Fuck well, off. I mean, like, old Mexican women are hardcore too. They're yeah. mean. I've they met your grandma. They're, they're, they're <laughs> so you know, you know, that's a whatever. Yeah, go talk to him. Well, they do, and that's exactly what Diego does. Is he's trying to convince Alejo to sell the land, and Alejo sends him off, and he comes back. But while he's gone, Donia's talking hard shit about that man, and he's just like, he keeps trying to get us to sell this land, and I don't trust him, and it's like. He's a jerk, and <laughs> oh no no, because she goes, "What's the uh, what's the English word for it?" And they're all like, "Scam artist," sc- you know, crook. <laughs> and she goes, "Jerk, jerk." And I'm like, "Oh oh." I just want to say that Dolores is a gossip because later on, <laughs> well, she's a uh, fucking honestly, gossip. It makes sense considering her name. Yeah. Well, Dolores in Spanish is like pain in the ass. It's like okay. a pain in the side, you know. That's when, you, when you speak with someone in Spanish, you're like, you know, oh, I have Dolores, it's Dolores, you know, like you have a pain here or there, you know. So it makes sense that she would talk smack all day long. She's talking shit saying like he has been trying to get them to sell the land and everything. I want to know, was he trying to get the father to sell the land before he died? Because we do find out their dad has only been dead for, for a year. A year. I think that I think she did say that. I think she said that my late husband has also talked to him or something like that. Okay. So and she never liked him. She never trusted him. Yeah, she never I, trusted okay, him. Okay, because right, yeah, I thought they said, said something like they worked together, but I wasn't sure if that was like yeah. what was going on. But I would say yeah. Th- okay. They've known each other for quite a while. Anyway, the brothers come back with Charlene and they are just like, Yeah, he's he did exactly what we thought he was gonna do. And now they're getting into this discussion about selling the land in front of the gang, which I'm just like, save it for later. That seems inappropriate. It does. And they also really get, like, I don't really know what the proper word would be. It's just, they talk about a lot of, like, adult topics in this movie that's for kids. Like, Louise is just like, oh, but brother, maybe you should consider selling. Investing all of your assets into land is foolish. I'm just like, that went over my head. And I was like, what? They say that the reason why they're considering selling the land is because they're not getting good business. The hotel's not getting a lot of tourists or guests. And that's when Charlene mentions that the big old monster is causing it. So they all go inside because once she says monster, there's the classic lightning and thunder and it starts raining instantly. So it's not the end of the rainy season. I was going to say, so the rainy season's (laughs) over? They go inside and they're talking about the, the chupacabra. And that's when they're starting to talk about it being the Mexican Bigfoot. Well, and, and what Alejo describes is Bigfoot. Yeah, it's not what, like what we described earlier, is believed to be Al Chupacabra. So, I just thought they were being really dramatic right before they transitioned to the next scene. When it showed Charlene and Louise, like, sitting next to each other, facing the audience. Like, they're looking at the camera and they're like, whatever you do, double lock your doors, say your prayers, and whatever you do, don't go outside. And it's like, bum, bum, bum. They transition to Scooby and Shaggy being in their cottage. They're laying in bed, and they start thinking that they're hearing the chupacabra outside. They're freaking out about it. Well, it was funny because they had stacked everything up against the, the door. Like their dresser and, like, yeah, and everything. And they go... Yeah, who would believe that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and they're like holding the things from the chimney and they open the door in a panic at some point and it's Fred holding his flashlight and they still close the door on him thinking it's the chupacabra. <laughs> they go up the chimney and 
they pop out on the roof and now they're hanging off the side of the cottage and that's when Fred and Velma find them and are like, what are you guys doing? And they notice that Daphne is not there with them. So they go to Daphne's cottage and they see like these green lights shining out the window thinking it's the Chupacabra. They all barge in and it turns out it's just her CD player. They're all freaked out. They're all on edge about the stories they were hearing earlier. But why is Daphne always sleeping when the monster attacks? <laughs> yeah, like in I Left My Neck in San Francisco, yeah. she was doing that. Yeah. She kept sleeping when the vampire would attack and then like, you know, whatever. Like she's always sleeping. That's why she's beautiful. She needs her beauty sleep. Man. I aspire to be that one day. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, she doesn't worry about nothing. She's going to get her sleep. Monster's but, still going to be there. <laughs> but when they, um... When they see the eyes in the room, they're like, okay, we have to go rescue Daphne. Yeah. And Shaggy and Scooby are like, yeah, we're going to go this way. We're not going there. And Velma goes, it's all for one and one for all. And Shaggy goes, yeah, I always thought that teamwork was overrated. Shaggy's really bogus in this movie. Well, I'm not going to lie. They kind of seem that way, too. You know how many times they send Shaggy and Scooby just like, okay, I need you to go off that cliff or like, hey, go you know, set this trap with yeah. this monster. And now, of all times, when it's, okay, we need you guys in there. We got to stick together as a team. This is a team thing, guys. Yesterday, you just sent me out there to like get killed by Nessie. <laughs> and now we're a team. And now we're a team. And now we're a team because Daphne's in there. She's all asleep. I want to talk about how Velma wears curlers. Have we seen that? Does she often do that? She does. I don't know when I've seen it, but I know we've seen it before. I have okay. also wondered about that because her curlers are not in the right spots for how her <laughs> hair is actually. Well, her done. hair is not curly either. No. But even still, for it to do what, like to do that little box thing, you would kind of need some kind of curlers, but not that many. And like, not in those not spots. in those spots. <laughs> um, she almost gave herself a perm. <laughs> they come out of Daphne's cottage, and that's when they find. The chupacabra's footprints. They note that it came up to Daphne's window and then went back to the hotel. Why didn't they follow that? That was my question because we're a gang when it comes to Daphne. It's headed back to the hotel. Fuck your pen pal, Fred. They can die. Why right. besides that? There's like other people there too. There's the pen pal. There's all those kids because he said they're going to be there at least until the end of Day of the Dead. The employees. The employees. The grandma. The wife, Charlene. But, you know, it's not really Fuck her, but whatever. <laughs> but still. And they're just like, oh, okay, well, you know. We'll go back to bed. Yeah, it's let's okay. all go back to bed. Let's not follow the footprints and see where they go. And there's a ton of them. Well, they're going back to the hotel. So not only are you, for one, should be, not only should you be concerned about the fact that it's headed towards where other people are, but don't you also raise suspicion? Why is it going back to the hotel? Maybe it's someone in the hotel. Yeah. But what makes it worse is they don't check. It's no, just exactly. like, but that's yeah, my point. Is that they the don't, yeah, that's my point is that they don't check. They just go to bed. Daphne's not sleeping in the hotel. We don't care. <laughs> this is a horrible team. <laughs> this is a horrible team. Well, okay. Daphne makes up for it the next day when she uses her mask. So mud. I have a whole thing on that. As do I. Okay. <laughs> her, so, her mud mask. So if you made a mud mask of that, it would be going the other way. The foot wouldn't be indented. It'd be out because you're putting the mud into it. It'd be 3D, not indented. They keep a... One of their clues in this movie is that they use Daphne's mud mask to make an imprint of one of the footprints they found. And they note that it has the little specks 
in it, which is supposed to be our first real clue that there's weird specks in the footprints. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be the coffee grains. Oh. Uh, You didn't catch that? No. No. It's such a really (laughs) subtle clue, but yeah, it's supposed to be the coffee grains. Okay, hold on. But second off, I get that, like, Daphne's pretty, but that's a lot of mud mask. Thank you. She had a whole thing, like the size of her torso well, of mud mask. So today's their day for investigating in Veracruz. They're trying to get some answers about what happened the previous night. And they decide that what they're going to do is interview the citizens of Veracruz. They're going to use Velma's video camera and like report what's going on. I thought it was interesting that, you know, Daphne is the reporter and Daphne's always been the one in the gang that's like stood up as the journalist. Because remember like in Zombie Island, yeah. how she's mm-hmm. an actual TV host and in, I think, I don't know if you've really read the comics, but in Scooby Apocalypse, she's a journalist too. So she's, th- this kind of makes sense why she's the one that's reporting. While they're asking everybody, like, what does the chupacabra look like? What does the chupacabra do? I wrote down all their questions and answers. Oh, but... be- okay, go ahead, do it, because then I have something to say after that. So the first question she asks, which is to the kids, is what does it look like? And one kid says a gorilla, one says a bear, and one says an alien. She asks what it does, and someone says that it eats goats. He says it really, like... He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. It's like, they're not my goats. <laughs> Someone said that it uh, crushes and destroys crops. And then this little girl just says, he's a bully. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, she. She is. <laughs> well, no, remember I say later that Charlene's not always the oh, chupacabra. Oh, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. By okay. gender. Did you just assume the chupacabra's gender? Yes, you did. <laughs> Um, Daphne asks what the chupacabra sounds like. Someone says a coyote. Someone says an ape. I will admit, every time I've watched this movie ever before tonight with the subtitles, I thought she was saying an egg. (laughs) She sounded like she said that it sounded like an egg. (laughs) And then this guy says that it sounds like his uncle Flacco. So then the last question is, what does it smell like? So... This actually goes to the this actually goes to the same three people who answered the sound question. So the first person says sulfur, the second person says garbage, and then the guy says Uncle Flacco again. So I just want to say that Uncle Flacco is the villain. Yeah, I was gonna say I changed my answer. The villain's now Uncle Flacco. <laughs> Daphne finishes the report by saying that um by asking if the Chupacabra will be showing up at the Day of the Dead festivities, or will it remain as elusive as the Loch Ness Monster, or the perfect boyfriend. I'm just going to throw this out there with that quote. I feel like Daphne is just desperate for a man right now. She's like, or is it the elusive boyfriend? <laughs> Are her and Fred fighting right now? Probably. <laughs> he needs to step his game up there in separate rooms. She's sleeping all the time. <laughs> this ain't cool. He needs to do right. But like she says as elusive as the perfect boyfriend. So like clearly she the perfect boyfriend isn't around that often. She definitely doesn't think Fred's the perfect boyfriend. <laughs> like Fred's I around said, a lot. He's around a lot, not doing what he's supposed maybe, to be doing. Maybe he's around too often and she's feeling suffocated in the relationship. And she wishes that Fred was a little bit more elusive. That shit just got real deep. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> um, after she signs off, 
Velma's like, back to Velma? And she like... Well, that's what she said. Yeah. Daphne did. And so Velma's like, back to me or whatever she says. Daphne's laugh because she pauses and then goes, ah! <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So after the video interviews, that's when they find that the Mr. Machine's been vandalized. Someone spray painted on the side of the van in Spanish, leave today or you won't see tomorrow. Um, from what we understand, Alex is fluent in Spanish and that is an accurate way of writing it. Yes, it is indeed. And I thought that it's kind of getting scary that like someone's following them and, you know, they're vandalizing their car and they're bringing them on a really wild chase. Well, doesn't like, that happen, like, every other Thursday to them? I don't not know, to people, this extent. Yeah, I mean, people will be like, get out, but they don't, like, try to kill them. Well, the thing about this movie that I noticed that you don't really see in a lot of what we've seen so far is that you don't see someone out of the costume while they're still not being caught. So, like, later on, when the person messes with the brakes on the van, yeah. like, you see someone just wearing a jacket off screen messing with the van yeah. or you see someone move that sign but they're not in costume like so you know that it's not a real monster which takes away from the fact that you know oh it's supposed to be a scary monster but you don't often see the villain outside of their costume before they're actually caught yes most of the time when we see things happening like it'd be in the chupacabra costume but it's not so there's two people doing it just like always yeah so they decide to split up across town. So they have Scooby and Shaggy stay on the east side of town. Fred, Daphne, and Velma go on the west side. And then Louise and Alejo go into the woods. I absolutely love Scooby and Shaggy's logic, which is, well, (laughs) the van is on the east side. So if we check out the van and it's clear, then we can stay in the car and guard it. (laughs) <laughs> so and, like, they go in and they take a nap so they go in and take a nap <laughs> and like same <laughs> that's great logic to live by it's so bold because the rest of the gang and Alejo and Louise like they all get some shit going on while they're out like they run into the monster they fall off cliffs you know like, what? there's Scooby some crazy shit did... going on to them while Scooby and Shaggy are sleeping in the van Scooby and Shaggy did not get a good night's rest they sleep well like I said earlier they're always getting sacrificed for something so like I mean leave them be yeah it's their turn to sleep <laughs> Daphne got a nice little rest <laughs> um Louise and Alejo are walking in the woods and Luis is really nervous. He gets freaked out by this owl, and Alejo calls him a big baby. At some point, they get separated, and Alejo runs into the monster, and he, like, runs from it, and he's running and not paying attention to where he's going. He runs off a cliff. I mean, straight off a cliff. There was straight no, off a cliff. He no falls, hesitation. Falls, grabs onto a tree branch, it just happened to be hanging out of this cliff, and he's just casual. Fine. It's like, oh, I almost died today. This happened to me last week. Yep, just another Thursday. He's yelling for Louise, who takes a really long time to find him. And Alejo is basically almost already climbed up to the very top when Louise shows up. And he claims that the Chupacabra knocked him out and did, that he didn't hear him yelling for him. I thought that subplot's really dumb. But I'll bring up my reasoning why it even exists later. Scooby and Shaggy woke up. And why did they wake up? Why, why did they even start driving the van I think the they wanted somewhere? to get food or something. Is that what it was? 
Do you remember, babe? I can't remember. They wake up at some point, and for some reason, they start driving. While they were sleeping, someone messed with the, the brake line with a wrench. With a wrench. They cut that the whole line. thing was crap, because first off, you're not going to break the brake line with a wrench. It's not going to come out goopy like that. Oh, yeah. It, it looked like... Yeah, it doesn't look like that. It if your brake like, fluid looks like that, there's something wrong with your car. Like, it looks like liquid fucked. cement. Yeah, you're fucked. Your car might explode, like... Now. Why do you have glue in your car? For real, that makes no sense. <laughs> they're driving, and now they're going downhill towards an intersection, and that's when Shaggy tries to stop, and it doesn't, and he causes, like, two car accidents. Like, we actually see the cars rear-end each other. I want to point out that although all of the other cars got into a car accident, Shaggy had some really good, like, reflexes to avoid the cars and not die. Yeah. I just want to point out that at some point, they hit this little guy... And this ice cream cart. And, you know, they ruined that poor guy's life. That is, like, his job. Like, his whole job. He has to pay for those ice he creams. He has to pay for those ice creams. And, He's like, no joke. And that's, cart. that's, like, a whole thing. Like, uh, their carts, that's, like, their livelihood. You, like, ruined this poor guy's life. And they're just, like, oh, eating ice cream that they stole again from somebody else. <laughs> and then there's just a random dog that picks up this lady. Oh, yeah, out of a panic to get her out of the road. The dog looks all scared and just, oh, my God, picks up this lady. This is the only other dog I have ever seen in this show that actually, like, picked up a lady and just like, oh, my God. (gasps) Like, had a reaction, like a human reaction. Yeah. I don't care about Scooby anymore. I need a spinoff show of that dog. About that boxer. The Mexican dog. (laughs) The Mexican boxer dog. So while Louise and Alejo are reuniting... Fred, Daphne, and Velma are in the middle of the woods, and they find this statue of Quetzalcoatl, I think Velma called it. Uh, she describes it as a serpent god of good. Is that is that what she said? Yes. So the god is actually, um, it's known as a few different things, but ultimately he is the god of intelligence and self-reflection. Okay. They keep going into the woods after they find, encounter this statue, which impacted the story in no way and they find this tent and this man comes out he describes himself as a curandero which is basically it's pretty much a hermit basically. he's a hermit he's as random as the shark hermit guy oh in um the creepy heat from the deep yeah yeah <laughs> he self-describes himself as like a shaman or a medicine man and they all go into his tent and he talks about how the reason behind El Chupacabra terrorizing Veracruz is because of the only evil force in this area, which is greed. He says that people from the north came and tried to purchase land here so they could make money. But they were sent away when they were and denied by the locals, and they vowed to return. So the gangs are like, oh, so what does this have to do with El Chupacabra? And he basically just, you know, says that it's, that's the reason why, is that it has something to do with that. And then he just goes casually, oh, and did I mention that you're in grave danger? No, I think you left that one out. Oh, you're in grave danger. What that's the fuck? Dick. <laughs> that's, that's like a seriously dick move. Well, and like, then come on, man. And besides you knew that all, when I walked in here. Right. And besides all that, afterwards, he's like, oh, and check out my website. Oh, my God. Right. And this man living in a tent has a website. Okay. I'm going to further on that. This man living in a tent who has no electricity <laughs> because they show him with this little candle thing next to him has a website. The way I'm thinking is like, 
Romani people have been known to, you know, get the whole tent and the crystal ball and everything because you have to sell. Well, quotation sell because you're not getting money well, for no, it. I get it, but like at the same time, like he's putting he? he's putting on a play so that you'll believe him more. If I'm a hermit out in the woods and I've got all the you know the carpet and the candle and I tell you, hey, you're in grave danger and greed and da 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 da, you're gonna believe me rather than if I'm sitting in an office with a website and business cards saying, oh, well, you're in grave danger. I mean, yeah, but still, what would be the purpose of that? You to know? sell it, people believe you more. It's but, a real life thing. That, no, People I do get it. it yeah, no, I do. But like, why? It had no meaning, but he was there just to kind of be there. Can That's we talk about community. how the Currendero says that not everything in Mexico is as they seem? And that actually like is something that Daphne takes to heart. Because she mentions it later. She's like, maybe the shaman was right. Maybe not everything in Mexico is as they seem. I'm just like, Daphne really took that seriously. Yeah, he true. said it and she was like, huh. Yeah. In Mexico, (laughs) stuff is really crazy. So then uh, Fred and Daphne and Velma are running through the woods. Then Alejo and Louise are running. And so then Fred runs into him and the girls are just standing standing there all nice and pretty. Um, A coyote comes running by and that's how we know that the chupacabra is near. Which now attacks Velma, Daphne, Fred, Louise, and Alejo. They all run into town, and it's, you know, attacking them. There's music playing in the background. It's basically another montage. And I noted that the Chupacabra is really out to, like, harm them. He's, like, swinging at them and trying to hurt them. And then at one point, Velma is specifically running from him. And she puts her glasses and her poncho on this cactus. And the Chupacabra hugs the cactus, thinking it's her. I'm just like, so did he just want to hug you? I just need a hug. I just need a hug. <laughs> that's all you just really need is just a hug and it will unchupacabra you. I do want to note that um, fucking Velma found her glasses pretty quickly. Yeah, they didn't make a gag out of that. Like, like usually it's, where are my glasses? Yeah. She bent right down, picked those motherfuckers up, and stuck them back on her head. It's because it's been like 40 years. She loses them all the time. Oh, that's you something I forgot pick to it up. mention. At the very beginning of the movie, when she got the email from Fred and Daphne, she was oh, looking up laser, laser eye, eye surgery. surgery. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she got it. Maybe she just needs to have the glasses on for a couple more days. In a day? It. They go to Mexico in a day, Shannon. She had a lot going on. I don't think you can go get laser eye surgery that day. Well, I can't go to Mexico tomorrow. Well, I mean, if they have enough Maybe. money to just go to Mexico tomorrow, I feel like they might have enough money. Just like, I need you to fix this eye real quick. So, during this montage, they meet up in front of a movie theater while oh. Scooby and Shaggy are still driving the mystery machine in a panic. And I noted that the movie theater was featuring Legend of the Vampire. You two didn't really catch it because it was really subtle and I just know because I'm a big Scooby fan. The Legend of the Vampire is the Scooby-Doo movie that preceded this one. Like the one where they go to Australia. And it actually had... They, basically, the plot of that movie was they go to Australia for a rock concert. Well, they didn't go there for the rock concert, but it happened to be going on. And the poster... Kind of like Day of the Dead. It's always a coincidence. Things always just happen when they go. Yeah. Well, the poster that they made for the Vampire Rock music concert was on the walls outside the theater. Like, it was the same exact poster, which I thought was really funny. But now I have a theory... Which expands upon Scooby Go- Scooby Doo Goes Hollywood. Okay, talk it. Okay, so in Scooby Doo Goes Hollywood, it's revealed that like all the Scooby Doo Where Are You cartoon episodes are 
actually like acted TV shows. They're not just a cartoon. And Daphne, Fred, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby are played by actors of the same name. Like in that movie, Scooby quits the show. And the Scooby-Doo show is canceled because the actor who plays Scooby is done. So I theorize now that the monster of Mexico is not a real Scooby-Doo mystery. It's just the actors happen to be solving a mystery today. And that Legend of the Vampire was their most recent production they worked together on. I'm down for it. So they get saved by Shaggy and Scooby, who happens to be driving by. They all, like, hop on the van. They think they get saved. (laughs) They hop on the van, and they just keep going. And they're like, bye, Al Chupacabra. And I like the fact that the van is not able to stop right now. The brakes are done, but they all manage to get inside the van. Well, the cutaway scene, they're in the van talking to Shaggy and Scooby. And I like that everybody's, like, all relaxed because, oh, we escaped the monster and, like, we're safe inside the van. And you look at Shaggy and Scooby's face and they're still like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Because they can't stop. And they realize they can't stop. Like, did you not realize that they can't stop because you had to climb in the van while it was moving still? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. They end up running out of gas in front of a gas station, which was convenient. It was Charlene's magic uh, medallion. Oh, we forgot to mention the medallion. Before they left to investigate, Charlene gave Louise a medallion for good luck. We'll discuss the medallion later. But while they're at the gas station, Alejo buys a ice pack for Louise's head because he got knocked out by the chupacabra. And Daphne tries to apply it but can't find the bump. And Louise is just like, oh, it's right here. Thank you, Daphne. And then he's like, okay. So they fill up gas and they go. But they don't fix the brakes. But suddenly the brakes are fixed. Yeah, they're fine now. <laughs> they are driving and they're like, well, you know, the Carandero said that we should look into the past and they just conveniently find a sign for a museum of anthropology. Okay, that's... Convenient. Yeah, very convenient. So they decide to go. They go to wherever town this takes place in, and we see the villain who broke the brake lines on the mystery machine take away the sign. Which implies it's a trap. It's a trap. But the museum is in a legit place. Like, it's a legit museum. It it all very much confused me, because the villain kept taking things that, like, why would you take the sign? It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like it's a legit sign because you're sending it to a legit place. So I don't know. It was all very confusing to me. They go to the museum. You never see an actual employee there, so I'm going to assume they broke in while it was closed because that's what they do. But then the temples aren't closed. Yeah, but I'm going to assume that the museum is closed because there's no employees there. Okay. And we they have a history of breaking into museums. The very first episode we ever see, they break into a fucking museum. I mean, the first like four episodes we watched i was trying to keep track of all the times they broke and entered and then i don't know if you guys noticed i just stopped keeping track because it's every time yeah every time they end up discussing really briefly this half man half beast statue i looked it up because i was i was thinking they were gonna like try and reference it into the show but then i throw some kind of culture in there yeah but then they didn't um he's the god of war and like often found with blood on him And that was kind of all I could find. Like, it's not, he's a god, but it's not anything that, like, Scooby would interact with. That would kind of make sense why they would state it before, because right after that, they tried to sacrifice Daphne. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It's just, it's so vague, and it doesn't, like, explicitly get mentioned again. Velma's just like, huh, 
this is interesting. Half man, half beast. And that's it. Yeah. That's all that's said. I'm not even kidding. That's what's said. And, and that's I, it. I did have to dig a little bit because when I typed in like half beast, half man god, a bunch of centaurs came up. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, so, wrong, like, wrong culture. Yeah. They end up finding this woman who poses as an employee at the museum. Super! <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. How is it that none of them are concerned that this is a white woman in the middle of Mexico who speaks no Spanish? She's obviously very American. And you are, like, in the middle of Mexico. And what is it? The Mexican International Museum. Don't the anthropology think, of something like that. Don't yeah. you think that, you know, the person who's going to show you around, or even some of the workers, or most of the workers... Probably Mexican. Most likely don't sleep that much English. Well, shouldn't they also be shocked that anyone's there because they broke in? <laughs> well, I assume because it's a trap, like, the door was unlocked and everything. Okay. But... So they didn't break in. The gang didn't, but I assume Charlene and Mr. Smiley Face did. Okay, but so we're saying that in right now, because they have a history of breaking into museums, right now they're not breaking into the museum. No, I don't think they are. No, I mean, I, think I t- they just came in. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if anything, they, they didn't break, but they definitely entered. So then we also get one of my favorite quotes of, uh, leave it to Shaggy to go to a museum and find the toys right away. Oh, because they're riding those, like, little scooters yeah. around. <laughs> what kind of museum has scooters like that? Because I kind of want to go to it. I wonder if the county museum does. <laughs> <laughs> They follow this woman into this, like, presentation room and sits them all down. She spins this wheel that has a bunch of years on it. And it lands on some year in the 1300s. And now all these special effects are going all over the place. There's animatronics. It doesn't say anything about the time period. No, but it was kind of cool. It was cool, but it just made no sense. No, like, had it gone into more detail of that time period, I think it'd be kind of cool. A bunch of warriors appear out of nowhere, and they, and the woman starts talking about how the ancient peoples used to uh, give sacrifices to the gods by ripping out their hearts and all that jazz. And then she says that she now wants a volunteer from the audience. No. <laughs> <laughs> she picks Daphne to do it and lays Daphne on the what the stone bed sacrifice table yeah on the, on the sacrifice table and puts a blanket over her i'm just like oh my god all of the warriors start surrounding the table and they're all like ready to rip out daphne's heart and you actually see the the woman like looking all evil and smiling over her I'm she's like, ready for it she's ready to rip out this woman's heart there's a bunch of fog and then they disappear A bunch of green arrows start flashing on the floor, leading them out of the room, and they're just like, you've been warned. So now we know, oh, this was a trap. Well, the gang now knows this this was a trap. These are the same people who vandalized the the mystery machine. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So they reveal a few moments later that the table moves and it reveals that secret staircase that leads down. But the staircase doesn't go anywhere because the staircase becomes that slide and then they ultimately are supposed to go into that fire pit. Yeah. So how did they escape with Daphne? Because I wrote that. My thing that I'm thinking is that they turned the lights off and the soldiers kind of grabbed Daphne and ran and probably went out the green arrowed lit way that the gang was supposed to go. Um, But instead the gang took the Aztecian trap door door. and thought that that's how they escaped. Yeah. Okay. Here's my other thing. Who are all of these warriors... 
Okay, who my, are all these people? The only thing that I can come up with is because what is Mr. Smiley's name? Mr. Smiley. That's all I call okay. him. Oh, they probably work for him. Well, Do you think they're employees? I was thinking it was animatronics because everything else is special affected in. Okay. So it's either more employees or that would make animatronics. Sense either way. I want to believe that it's other employees because there's always someone else that doesn't get caught. Like the Art Swindlers gang. Yeah, they're still out there. They're still out there. And I believe that these guys are still out there too. Okay. They... This is the beginning of a, another montage where the rest of the gang are trying to find Daphne. They go down the staircase. It accidentally turns into a slide, and they're all like, going down the slide, and a bunch of nonsense. I don't want to go into detail about it. It's just a bunch of nonsense. And my only question is, what's the fucking point of this tunnel underneath a museum? Somehow, after all that nonsense, which again, I don't want to go into detail because it was just a lot of stupid shit that impacted the story in no way. They end up in the actual temple area, which Alex was really pissed that they kept describing the temples as... It's a pyramid! That is not a pyramid. It's still upsetting. He was so mad while watching this movie for the second we time. We had to pause the it. The entire time, they refer to it as a pyramid. It is not a pyramid. It's a temple. It is a holy place. They're freaking temples. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Alex's big pet peeve about the movie is that they're being called pyramids. <laughs> well, so then we find Daphne on top of one of the temples, which, I'm sorry, she was on, like, a whole bunch of rubble, first off. She was just, like, standing on, like, something that looked like a crumbled temple. But she's standing there, blindfolded and, and tied, tied up. up in the middle of a temple with a whole bunch of tourists around. Yeah, there's tons of tourists walking around, and they like, no one says anything about this woman who looks like she is in peril on top of a temple. Well, then she gets herself out. Right. Somehow. How long but have you been standing there? What's worse about that is she's not even concerned at all that literally, literally... Five minutes ago, you were just kidnapped by like twelve guys and a chick trying to cut out your heart. Honestly, it probably and you're just like, it, it. Let's go. It happens often for her. I'm, I don't think she'd be surprised. <laughs> but she, it's not even mentioned. It's not even like, yeah, she just kidnapped me, and you know, I'm, I almost died. I don't even know how I got here. She's like a leho falling off that cliff. It just happened it's last just, week. It happened. Yeah, you know, you cool. <laughs> well, almost got sacrificed yesterday. It was a good day. And then Fred tells her, oh, you stay up there. We'll come up to you. Fred, she's already untied. Have her walk the fuck back down. Me halfway, if anything. Yeah. There's no Those point. tall. There's no point in me walking all the way up to you just to turn around and walk all the way back well, down. With that, I feel like in this situation, you would kind of more so want to be on the ground than yes. on top of this temple. Because, like, why would you want to be that high up? And so what if you get pushed down and all the way down you go? Yeah, I it, it made no sense. But then another thing. They come down from the temple now, and that's when they notice this statue that apparently wasn't there before. It's and then it just falls statue. apart. And it triggers this, like, cage that rises out of the ground. So I have two points here. One, what's the point of the statue? Was it just to trigger the cage? It was to make everybody think that they yeah. were vandali- yeah. vandalizers. But when did that statue get placed there? Quickly. I mean, because <laughs> it wasn't there before. They passed right by her, and just a moment later, it's there. Well, and because it's not very well put together because it falls apart without Instantly. anyone moving. So I assume it's just kind of like a bunch of rocks, like stuck together. But second off, you guys were talking about disrespect to the temple. Putting a jail 
underneath the temple well, that's that just my rises. My point is just how long has that thing been there? Where does it rise from? What really gets me on that one is when they say that they have to push them out of here because it's going to upset the gods and all of these people, not to be racist in any way or anything, but they're all white. Oh, yeah. I so, have never met a white person that's going to be like, oh, my God, well, to we the me- gods. Well, we need to mention Paco. So Paco is like this animatronic eagle. Bird. He's an eagle that is like saying that he's there to protect the gods and their yeah. their temples. And he's saying, oh, well, you need to run them out, you know. Honor the ancient gods. And yeah, I thought the same thing, Alex, was that, that well, these people my, would not be looking to appease these ancient gods. They're all a bunch of Christians from Texas. Come mm-hmm. on. And my whole thing with that is, two seconds ago, Daphne was standing on top of a temple, blindfolded and tied up, and, and not no one of y'all concerned. gave a fuck. And now we've got these people vandalizing, and suddenly you have to appease the gods? And by the way, none of these people are concerned about this talking bird. It's a giant talking bird. And right. not anyone is like, hey, this giant bird with a Mexican accent just told me to run these white people out. And Alejo even says that it's a bad Mexican accent. Well, and it sounds very robotic. I mean, okay, everything else that's animatronic is, like, really good. And they talk about how well it looks and everything. And Paco is just not, he was, he was like, $2 at the discount store. Well, Maybe I'm, he was, like, the first one. Well, I'm thankful that we watched it the second time with the subtitles because the first time I couldn't understand what he was saying. Yeah. The the animatronic effect that they put over the voice was making it really hard for me to understand him. So now the tourists are trying to chase them out. They hide in one of the temples and they very easily access a a tomb. Yeah. Full of skeletons, like real actual skeletons. They're not fake. They are real dead bodies of ancient people. And they make a point to say, like, there's a bunch of dead bodies here. Yeah, Fred's like, don't worry, Shaggy. Nothing in here is alive. <laughs> oh! That, thanks. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Thanks for that. They decide that they're going to disguise themselves using these people, these dead people's outfits. So they take their clothes and go outside wearing them. Yeah, with that, I'm just going to throw this out <laughs> there it. of the team totally desecrated an ancient tomb. Like, that is exactly what they did. They went into an ancient tomb and stole clothing off dead people. If they weren't cursed before, they're definitely cursed now. Oh, they're yeah. going to hell. Oh, yeah. Not even that. You are screwed, man. You can't be stealing stuff from ancient tombs of dead people. Yeah, you can't steal people. You can't, you can't steal dead people's shit. Like, you're going to get cursed. Well, I can't believe that it was just so easy to access. That well, tomb. And they did it twice. They accessed a tomb or something twice. Yeah, because there was another area that had a skeleton in it or a skull or something like that. Well, and then the second... I'm going to say tomb because I think there was a dead body in it. Uh, the second tomb that they get into, there's a bunch of scorpions. And Daphne's like... No, that was a- in the first one. That no, was in the, the first second one. one no, it was right before they found the main one. Yeah, because they went in that one. They were chased in there by the giant Mexican rats. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, yeah, because Daphne said that the scorpions were spiders, and Val was like, no, those are scorpions, and they're like, oh, because that's better? (laughs) Right, well, and then I think it was Alejo goes, and don't worry, the rats will take care of them, and first off, I've never heard of a rat that eats a scorpion, and second off, those were some fucking huge Rats. Those are New York City rats right there. <laughs> My only comment with that is, you know, we always say, like, everything's bigger in Texas. That's because, man, Texas is right there next to Mexico, and those fucking rats are crossing the border. 
That's why they want the wall. <laughs> Keep your motherfucking rats out of my country. Keep your rats over there. I'm well, not concerned <laughs> with the Mexicans coming in illegally. I don't want those fucking rats, man. That's all I'm worried about. <laughs> I love... I'll keep the Mexicans. You keep the rats. You keep the rats. <laughs> I love that when they come out of the temple wearing the dead people's clothing, that one guy that clearly has a Texan accent is just like, oh, look, the people who vandalized that statue is now wearing the outfits of the... Dead people. Of the dead people. And... I'm just like, yeah, you're definitely from Texas. You definitely voted for Trump. And you definitely don't give a fuck about this Aztecian gods, but like you're just being an asshole. So now they're they're spotted, they're chased again. They run into another temple and then this other door opens and they walk out. And that's when we enter the next montage where they're being terrorized by a bunch of animatronics. So in this, an ancient tomb. In so, an ancient tomb. No. So Daphne and Velma end up on a flying dragon. Fred gets attacked by these jaguars. jaguars. But not attacked. They're sweet. Well, at first they're threatening, and then they become sweet. My theory is that Fred is a cat person. Because you know he's never really tolerable of Scooby. And so he's definitely a cat person. These jaguars definitely sense it, and they're like, he's a friend. <laughs> I just have to say. There was so much destruction yeah. in that temple when they left. Mr. Yeah. Smiley is more cursed than the gang is. Hey guys, Derek here. I'm just cutting in to let you guys know that when we originally recorded this episode of the podcast, the last about 30 or 40 minutes for some reason got deleted and I didn't realize it until I began editing. So because we weren't able to use the space that we usually use for recording, we had to find somewhere else. And it's a little echoey, so you're going to notice a really drastic difference in audio quality. It's still listenable, and I hope that you guys don't mind it as much. We're sorry that this happened. We're usually very careful when we're recording, and we really like to keep things well edited so that you guys get the best quality that we can offer. But anyway, back to the episode. Sorry about that again, guys. <laughs> so the gang ultimately managed to escape the temple with, you know, all their body limbs and everything intact. I don't know how they managed to do that, especially when that dragon that Velma and Daphne were on, like, crashed into that, like, gateway. Imagine. And they just hopped on the mystery machine and went. Protected <laughs> by Shaggy's wizardry. Yep. Something. Just magic. So we... Now transition to a new scene. It's later in the night and the people of Veracruz are getting ready for the Day of the Dead. I had the biggest issue with this. The scene starts with um, a man using sage to light a candle, which you would never use to light anything. Right. Um, Well, it's because sage is supposed to ward off spirits and... Well, and you don't normally use sage to light candles. It's usually, like, you blow out the flame and you smoke it out. Yeah. And uh, it's used to ward off spirits, to send the spirits on their merry way. You wouldn't do that on the Day of the Dead. That doesn't make much sense, Yeah. We see a bunch of elderly women surrounding Dolores, who is now really upset, and we learned that Charlene has been kidnapped by the Chupacabra. Charlene! Charlene! <laughs> Charlene was taken by the Chupacabra. It's so bad. 
one of my favorite comments throughout the entire movie was in this part where one of the other ladies was just like, why can't the Chupacabra carry off with my future daughter-in-law? Like, bro, she was so petty. <laughs> I want to know that story. Know. Maybe she can cook her She's just horrible. After this, they decide that they don't want to scare any of the children because the kids are all, you know, talking about the Chupacabra and pretending to be the Chupacabra. We begin to see them dressing up in costumes like it's Halloween. Yeah. Um, you don't dress up like Frankenstein on the Day of the Dead. One little tidbit I noticed was that one of the kids was dressed up as Yogi Bear. Which, like... You is, don't do that either. No. no. And, and <laughs> it's a cute little thing that they did, like, to throw in, you know? Well, they incorporate other Hanna-Barbera characters like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Which is cute. But, like, this was so wrong. Because that's not the Day of the Dead. Right. After this, you know, they decide we're not talking about this around the kids. So the gang, Alejo and Louise, they go to talk about all of the clues that they've collected so far and try and put things together. Let's try and figure this out. It's nice seeing them do this because you never see them do this in any other Scooby-Doo media that I've seen. Well, and it's nice to see them talk it out, but at the same time, it was kind of weird because we never see it happen. And it was just kind of funny to see them, like, stand in a circle and be like, okay, here's what I think. Okay, well, here's what I think. I felt like I was watching Dora the Explorer in a way. Yeah, like, it was just, (laughs) everything was very explained. It's not because she's Mexican, I'm just Uh, saying. uh, (laughs) No, but I... No, Diego, go. (laughs) (laughs) But I really do feel like... uh, But, I mean, Shannon, you and I have watched... Uh, 12 episodes of Scooby-Doo so far for this podcast and not once have we ever seen them do any like problem solving. How often do we just have the joke of oh my god I know what's going on. Or I'll tell you later Shaggy. Yeah. Like no one discusses this with the gang and I feel like all of it comes out in the end as Mm -hmm. opposed to you know maybe this is connected to that one guy or something like that you know or before they even formulate a plan they're talking about all the clues. What does it all mean? What could be going on here? Um, when they're going through the clues, Daphne pulls out the camcorder that they used to record in Veracruz when they were asking all of the, the citizens about the Chupacabra. And they noticed a weird typo that was in the graffiti that was on the side of the mystery machine where they were warned, you know, leave today or you won't see tomorrow. But the word manana was spelled incorrectly because it wasn't using the tilde over the N. Something I noticed, but Alex and Shannon didn't, and they fought over it with me. But I Google checked, and I was right. He Google translated. Hey, I looked on multiple sources, and I was correct. Multiple sources of Google. (laughs) (laughs) He Wikipedia'd it. Anyway, Fred points out the typo. And he writes out manana how he thinks it should be written on a notepad. But I just noticed that the tilde was put on the wrong end in that case as well. And isn't it funny because Fred doesn't know Spanish throughout the entire episode. He gets it wrong almost every time. I think it's just funny that he's the one that spotted it and not Alejo and Louise when they were like right there reading it. On the side of the mystery machine. Yeah. Like, they're noticing it now on a camcorder hours, days later. So, now they're getting ready to begin the ceremony for the Day of the Dead. They go to um, Alejo and Louise's father's grave. And they start placing, you know, some mementos on the grave. They set down a sweater, a picture. I Charlene's, think a- coffee. <laughs> Charlene's, Charlene's coffee. Charlene's coffee. 
And I think there was a bowl of peppers as well. And that's when, like, this foggy mist appears around the grave. And now this ghost, an apparition of what's supposed to be their father, appears. And he's just going, oh, the land is cursed. And, you know, he's he's trying to scare them all into selling Selling. the land, which has been evidently the plot throughout the whole movie. Alejo points out that the ghost doesn't sound or look like his father at all. Not to mention the fact that he's speaking English, not Spanish. And that's when I think Fred was the one that pointed out, you know, something really weird is going on here. And he notices the button that's on the back of Louise's necklace. Yeah. Well, they were saying that it was being a tran- it was a transmission, mm-hmm. that the ghost was like a transmission. It was coming from somewhere. So he, he goes, hey, wait a minute. He grabs Louise's necklace and presses the one button that's on it on the back. And it reverse transmits to wherever the ghost is coming from. It would never. <laughs> it would never do that. Well, it turns out it's a tracker, but I I'm just surprised Louise never noticed the button. I'm sorry. When I you pressed it, you know, when you get a necklace, don't you kind of like look at the necklace? Oh, not even that. What about just feel the yeah, button? Wouldn't you feel the button? Louise is just like I put wouldn't it on you? because my Charlie told me to leave it here. So now we're kind of you know getting a little suspicious. Scooby and Chiquita. They go to the mausoleum where they're finding the traces coming from because they can only hear it Mm -hmm. because it's a really high frequency. They discover a skeleton in the mausoleum surrounded by computer screens who's like doing this joystick remote and he's the one that's speaking for the ghost. And when we say skeleton, it's not like real skeleton. Like it's a man dressed in a skeleton costume. It looks like one of those cheap Halloween costumes you'll get at... You know, Rite Aid or something. Can I? That was rude. (laughs) That was throwing shade where shade did not have to be thrown. (laughs) Come on, Jen. You don't like Rite Aid. Did you see how long it took me to, like, register that? I was like... How dare you? Like, I was on to my next thing and I was like, wait a second. Jen, you don't even like Rite Aid. Whatever. Anyway. (laughs) Um, had they made this just the monster in Mexico on Halloween instead of the Day of the Dead... This movie could have been rated so much better. Not so much better, I'm sorry. Maybe like half a point. But like half the mistakes they're making are really easily like avoidable. Yeah, just replace the word day of the dead with Halloween. Cuz any but I I don't understand why he's in the skeleton costume. I think it was supposed yeah. to be like the Wizard of Oz thing. Well, yeah, there, there was a reference, you know, because then everyone starts to get suspicion come, and then he's just like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like, yeah, it's Wizard of Oz, but he was dressed as a skeleton. I don't know, There was man. no reason for that. That's there was no reason I think for he it. was planning on, like, throwing a hood on and, like, running out so that, like, it was like an escape plan. Oh, maybe. Or, like, maybe disguise because yeah. everyone's apparently dressing up on Day exactly. of the Dead. It's just weird because, like, you never see the skeleton before this. And Alex... I don't know if you celebrate Day of the Dead at all. No, I don't. Okay. Wouldn't dressing up as a skeleton be considered, like, disrespectful, though? Well, don't they do makeup, though? Well, they do, it's like, more so makeup they do, like sugar costumes. candy. But, like, straight yeah, up just like cheap Halloween. Yeah. Like, because they decorate like that. But, like, I don't... Maybe not because of sugar skulls, but, like, it just seems like something you wouldn't want to do. I don't know enough about the holiday to say. Yeah. Me either. It just seems weird. One comment that I have to throw out there is that 
Fred basically points out, hey, none of the people that are here in the cemetery are going to understand you if you're speaking English. Most of them speak Spanish. And then he responds, the skeleton responds, well, I don't know how to speak Spanish. Why can't everyone just learn English? Because you're a Mexico bitch. <laughs> Typical American. That's right then and there where you were like, this is somebody from America. That's ah, bullshit. <laughs> well, it's it's Charlie. <laughs> well, it's interesting that as a kid, that doesn't really like come off as a super funny joke or anything like that. But now you hear that, and you just hear the ignorance. Like it's just straight up ignorance. No, it's it's, it's supposed to be ignorant. So they end up capturing the skeleton. He didn't even make it out of the mausoleum. It turns out it's Mister Smiley, who has been the he's the owner of that amusement park franchise and. It's where, uh, what's-his-face, Louise and Charlene met. Yes, that's right. Um, he had a really gross smile when they took off his mask. Which is funny, because his name is Mr. Smiley. He's gross. He's icky. Icky. <laughs> so, like, as they're arresting him, the chupacabra shows up. Well, they were wondering, because it didn't add up. Like, okay, so if this is, the skeleton, if the skeleton guy is Mr. Smiley, then who's the chupacabra? Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, then he shows up. He's on top of this building. Very King Kong-like. He fucking tears off a piece of the building and throws it at everybody. Okay, so I know... I was just smiling as insurance. Right. Well, and I know I said earlier that um, the Chupacabra was a real-life, like, American Bigfoot. Like, that's what it looked like. But it's also very much King Kong. Like, in that scene, that was definitely a King Kong scene. Like, like, I'm going to rip rampaged. a page. Yeah, like, he, he like, King Kong rampaged the fuck out of it. He ripped the chimney off of that building and just chucked it. Can we also ask? It's Charlene in there. Yes. Charlene. Charlene. She lifts weights. Cause like, how? Charlene Excuse me? It's never explained, like, the strength, honestly. Like, because you also got to consider that, you know, I, Charlene was definitely not the Chupacabra all the time. And no. she did it on stilts. Yeah, and she did it on stilts. But what I'm saying is, you know, Charlene wasn't the only one that was in the Chupacabra costume. Because Mr. Smiley must have been in the costume when she was kidnapped. But, like, whoever was in the costume, the costume's not fitted for super strength or anything like that. No. So they're just strong. The only thing that it has in it is just the stilts. That's the only, like, add-on to the costume itself. Everything else, you gotta do on your own. So they must be lifting weights or something. But it just baffles me how strong this guy was. So this begins the final like montage chase scene of the movie. Everyone's in a panic. Everyone's running everywhere. I did note that Fred and Velma take a break from running to play with the mariachi band that happened to be nearby. It happens. They just took a break. No, don't worry about the horror. Let's... Let's play in the band. <laughs> moment, okay? Look, if you the monster was chasing you and the mariachi band, like, threw me an instrument, I'd start playing. Okay, I see Fred doing this, but Thelma? Thelma doesn't give a shit. Thelma's got to stick up her ass this entire movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> She's still down for the cause. <laughs> so, um, Charlene in uh, the Chupacabra costume starts chasing everybody. She starts chasing Daphne at one point, and Daphne turns around and steps on um, the Chupacabra's foot. Jams her heel into the like, foot. Like, jams it in there. Under normal circumstances, yes, that would hurt like hell. That was a real foot, yeah. But we find out later, 
Charlene is in stilts. How did that hurt the foot? Yeah, because the chupacabra reacted. You know, it was just like, he was in pain, or she. We don't like to misgender, but whatever the case, there was a reaction, but they're wearing stilts. <laughs> that makes no sense. Very in character. Because wasn't Charlene an actor? So she's very in character. She, has to, she can't go out of character. She's got a lot of aliases, you know. She keeps it in. Super. <laughs> Speaking of super... So when the um, when Charlene gets ripped out of the costume, out of the Chupacabra costume, she's inside the museum host costume. Yes, the, now, the woman that kidnapped Daphne earlier in the movie. Yes. Now, I get the reason why, because the last time we personally saw her, that's what she was dressed up as. Yes. But the mother-in-law is sitting there crying her eyes out because Charlene got kidnapped. Meaning she was dressed as Charlene, got quote unquote kidnapped, dressed back up into the original into the uh, museum lady's costume, and then put on the other costume. Yeah. Why? They do this a lot in Scooby Doo, where they're like wearing a costume underneath a costume. Well, and it's to is show a like well, and it, I, I like I said, like I get because that's supposed to show us that like Daphne wasn't kidnapped by some super crazy person. And that it wasn't three people doing it. It was, you know, Charlene the whole time. But like what Alex just said, they would have fucking had a heat stroke. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that Charlene or the museum curator, whoever is underneath that costume, is also wearing like a dress shirt and a jacket Mm -hmm. and dress pants. How are you maneuvering in this Tupacabra costume and breathing? (laughs) I think it would have made 100% more sense if... The museum lady is what Charlene actually looked like in this whole time she was dressed up as this, like, ditzy, blonde Texan woman. Because that would make more sense. Either way, I I could see it going either way. But I was also questioning that, too. Like, which one is the real identity? Yeah. Um, evidently, the big, poofy, blonde-haired woman is the real identity. Except I love when Velma ripped that face off. Velma has a tendency for that. Because she did that to the woman at the end of... I left my neck in San Francisco. Do you remember that? Yeah, she like she ripped just, that old woman's face off. Like she just, she goes for the face. It's not even like trying to rip it off from the back of the neck. I mean, she grabs a hold of your cheeks and just rips. Like, okay, Shannon, like I'm going to demonstrate like how I would like, you know, pull someone's face off. I wouldn't start with the face. You know, my hand is on yeah, Shannon's face like, right now as we speak. Like the back I'm probably going neck. for the back of your neck or like your hair a little bit, yeah. lightly pulling. Because that's, that's... Yeah. She doesn't play it. No. Velma, I'm going to demonstrate for you, Shannon, Alex. I I want you to pay attention to how Velma does this. Goes for the face, like hand over nose, and just rips. She's hardcore. She don't play that. She's had enough. It's been a long time. We've been fucking with her for like three weeks. (laughs) I don't think the mask would come off that easily. She has so much hair underneath that mask. Well, and also, when she ripped the face off, and then the, the hair, like... Poofs. Poofs. <laughs> it like it didn't just poof. It poofed. She's got big hair. It radiated. She never matured from the eighties. No. <laughs> See, that's another thing, though. How are you not dying underneath your with all that under hair. costume with all that hair underneath the mask? The bigger the hair, how the she closer to that hair over that hair. Charlene, how are you alive? She had to put a wig on that and like that. all that awkward net probably like where can't was, do that. Where was, was the crunchy. bald cap? Yeah, where was the bald cap? Charlene, how are you even fucking alive? 
She's not. Stroke. She's in Mexican prison. <laughs> She's in Mexican well, prison. Well, let's be real. <laughs> the reason why Velma suspected that the museum woman wasn't who she said she was was because some coffee beans came out of her sleeve. The thing is, we hear quite often, like, oh yeah, I have coffee beans coming out of my ears. But not once do we ever see coffee beans anywhere near her ears. Yeah, they come out of her sleeves all the time. Like her sleeves... She was playing around her hoo-ha and, like, ripping them out of there in the beginning <laughs> of the movie. I don't really know where the coffee beans were, but it was under her apron. Well, I don't know. I will say, I don't think that this clue was necessary to the movie. No. Because you two didn't even notice no. its relevancy to the plot. And honestly, if you took it out of the movie, it wouldn't have changed anything. I didn't really care that much. It, no, it's not a big deal. It's really the only indication that Velma had that the museum lady wasn't the museum lady, that it was actually Charlene. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that Charlene. Because otherwise Charlene would be dead. Charlene. Charlene. I did think that Charlene was dead at one point. Well, the museum lady tried to play it off because Louise asked her, where's my Charlene? And Charlene responds, um, well, you're never going to see her again, so you might as well pick up the shattered remains of your life and find someone new. Well, and it was... <laughs> it was <laughs> Very cutthroat, this woman is. Yes. Well, Charlene don't play. Because she was like, I don't love you, bitch. Basically. Because after she's like, I never loved you. I loved your money. A fucking bitch. Charlene don't care. Me? <laughs> <laughs> Call me Charlene. Um, Charlene. The ultimate plot was that Mr. Smiley and Charlene, they fell in love, I'm assuming before she met Louise. Yes. And... She came back to Mexico with Louise and then tried to get the land sold after they refused to sell it to Mr. Smythe. Mm-hmm. I think Mr. Smythe... Okay, so here's how I think it went down. I think Mr. Smiley tried to buy the hotel and they denied him. And Louise came to America to go to Mr. Smiley's thing. And Mr. Smiley was like, hey, darling girlfriend of mine, go seduce him and get him to sell the hotel to me. Mm, I don't know. Because uh, they were definitely in love before she met Louise. I'm thinking that the plot kind of thickened when they met Louise in the first place. And yeah. after they met Louise, they tried to buy the land. Because then what would have happened was Mr. Smelly would have bought the land while Charlene was married to Louise. All that money would go to Louise. And then oh, Charlene then would divorce him and then get half the money. Okay. And then come back to the States with Mr. Smiley. Okay. My last note that I have for this movie is how, you know, everyone's apologizing to each other because, oh, we were wrong to suspect you and blah, blah. Because they're talking to Louise because they, they thought Louise was in on it. Okay. Honestly, for a while, I did too. I, I said this before and I'll say it again. I think Louise was going to be in on it, and then the writers at the last minute were like, no, we're not going to put him in on it. Honestly, I think he's just one of those stupid guys who's just, ho, ho. Well, like, throughout the I whole... I didn't like his character. No, He was really, really annoying. Throughout no, the and whole then thing, he was going to let his brother die. Right. Well, like, throughout the entire thing, he's sketchy, and he's whatever, and then at the end, they're like... Like, and also because nobody said anything about thinking it was Louise. And then everybody no was apologizing no. to him after. For and suspecting I, him? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, but we didn't know that you suspected him. I know I suspected him. I didn't know Velma agreed with well, him. Well, the they reason why they probably him. didn't bring up their suspicions of him was because he was right there when they were all discussing the clues. Yeah. Earlier. 
Uh, they're kind of hardcore. Well, they'll like straight up tell you. Velma's hardcore. She'll fucking rip your face off. <laughs> <laughs> you are a suspect. Just so you know. Suspect. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, Velma does that. She yeah. did that to Bo in yeah. Zombie Island. Yeah, They've done that play. before. Like, I think you might be the I killer. I think you might be the killer. Well, well, why me? Well, you know, you're kind of creepy. Well, no, but you know, think about it this way. You go, I think you're the killer. Why? I'm not the killer. Convince me otherwise. Okay, where are I these killers that. coming from? This is Scooby-Doo. They kill people. I think you're the chupacabra. <laughs> um, Convince me otherwise. Back to my last note. So Alejo and Louise, they step away and they're having a separate conversation where Louise is basically confessing that he didn't get knocked out by the chupacabra. He actually like ran away out of fear of losing his only brother after losing his father. So it's let like, me die. <laughs> I'm going to let my brother die because I'm afraid of him dying. That'd be some shit Tony would do. That would be, though. <laughs> Your brother? He would. That's not his fault. He'd be like, I was so scared to lose you that I ran away. And you <laughs> and, died. And your response would be like, it's all right, man. It's okay, I know. I get it. I, I get it. <laughs> but see, my response would have been, okay, that's cool and all. I forgive you. But, like, you owe me eleven fifty for that ice pack I bought you. Right. Cause like, yo, <laughs> dumbass. Like, oh, it hurts back here. Oh, mm-hmm. shut up, Louise. Do you, <laughs> do either of you have any other notes to end the movie, or are you guys ready to start talking about our scores? We can talk about our scores. Louise sucks. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, since you're our guest host this week, we are going to have you start off. What was your rating for Scooby Doo and the Monster of Mexico on the Scooby Snackometer? I'm going to give it a three. A three. Three yeah. Scooby Snacks. Can you talk it out for us? I mean, it was pretty good. Not really. No, I take it back. It wasn't very good. It was <laughs> kind of horrible. But the art in it was really nice. I liked the animation of it. But that was about it. The story just... The story was horrible. It was a horrible story. It was all over the place. And like, what the fuck? This made no sense. I thought it was supposed to be like Chupacabra. And then they were in a temple. And then they got kidnapped. And there's a lot going on in Mexico. I, this makes me not want to go to Mexico. I'm You're scared. from there. Yeah, I'm scared now. You know? this, what are we teaching children? Don't go there. You'll get kidnapped and then chupacabra. And... Well, not everything in Mexico is as they seem. Apparently, because that shit is not real. I don't want to go to Mexico just because of those fucking rats. Uh, <laughs> ginormous rats. Fucking Mexican Talking rats. Mexican birds. <laughs> Talking Mexican robot birds. <laughs> Fucking flying dragons. For Actually, real. I'm down for the flying dragons. <laughs> bullshit. I signed up for this. Carnival was... Cruise didn't tell me. <laughs> Shannon, what was your score on the Scooby Snackometer? I actually rated it a two. A two? Okay. Talk it out. I hated it. Okay. Um. Isn't this what you gave the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair? I probably gave everything. No, I think the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair, I gave a three because it had Batman. Okay. Anyway. Um, but I hated it. I did not like the storyline. There were way too many wrong facts. And yes, the animation was beautiful in some parts, but there were just way too many cockeyed Mexicans. <laughs> there were, though. There was a lot of cockeyed Mexicans. Like, I could have looked past a few, but, like, every Mexican was cockeyed. And, like, you got to catch racist. yourself at some point. Even Charlene was, though, at some point. That's because she was evil. 
Evil cockeyed bitch. <laughs> Any other comments? No. No. All right. Well, I I completely agree with both of you. And just to make it easy for the actual rating system that we're gonna do, I'm just gonna flat out give it a two point five. Make it down the middle. That's I think that's pretty fair. It's definitely not my favorite Scooby Doo movie of all time. Um, bad. It was very bad. I thought that it was really drawn out. The scenes oftentimes were feeling like filler to me. The music was fine. The characters were lame. I thought that, like, Louise... I fucking hated Louise. Fucking Louise. I don't know what it was. That character was just so annoying to me. But on top of that, just all the ignorance and all of the misconceptions that this movie has about Mexico and Mexican tradition and culture really bugs me. Because this isn't hard to figure out. Honestly, you could have consulted someone and actually gotten the facts. In fact, I think a lot of the people who were on the voice acting side of this movie are Mexican or of Hispanic descent. This would not have been a really hard movie to get right. Like, they probably could have just been like, hey, writers, just to let you know, we don't dress up like Frankenstein. They were just excited to have a job. But the thing is, I don't know if they see the animation. I think they just stand there and they talk. Well, it's bigger than animation, though. The dialogue's bad. Well, yeah, the dialogue was bad, but... The dialogue is telling all these misconceptions and lies that... About the culture, and it doesn't help portray Mexico in an accurate sense. Well, and where you were going with scenes felt like filler scenes. They really did. I mean, think about when we were watching the new Scooby-Doo movies, and like, you know, this season we had this dynamic Scooby-Doo affair. Most of that was filler, and we had complained about that as well. And that kind of, this felt like that, but more. Yeah. And this was supposed to be like a... Maybe not box office, but it's a movie. It's a direct-to-video movie. It's 75 minutes long, and in a way, I think that's actually supposed to be the minimum Yeah, that makes a direct-to-video movie a direct-to-video movie. So I think that a lot of this was padded really hard. Mm -hmm. Because there were just some scenes, I don't know if you two really noticed them, but... There were some instances where I feel like just there were just still shots that stayed way too long on screen. Yes. Yeah. Like nothing was happening. The characters weren't in the scene. You know they were coming. Mm-hmm. Like there were sound effects and stuff, but there's nothing moving. Yeah. And I think that those little things are just the producers and the director's efforts to pad the time to meet that 75 minute mark. Well, and if you think about it, if every scene starts off with like two and a half seconds of just still frame before the characters come on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm really sad to see that this is the first Scooby-Doo movie that we're reviewing on this podcast because there are far better ones in the arsenal of Scooby-Doo movies. At least we know we can only go up from here. Uh, Not necessarily. I've seen some worse ones in this movie. This was pretty bad, though. It was really bad, and most Scooby-Doo movies will be better. I know that there are worse ones, but I just wish we had started off with a better one. Because this one really bummed me out in terms of quality and the story presented. We'll keep our fingers crossed for next season. Right. So with that, our official rating here on That Groovy Scoop cast for Scooby-Doo and the Monster of Mexico is a 2.5. So learns. Next week is going to be our last episode of the first season of That Groovy Scoop cast. I cannot believe we're already here, Shannon. I want to thank everybody for, like, staying with us. Right. Um, You guys get to enjoy listening to one of us eat 
some really delicious hot dog tacos that Alex is actually going to make for us next I week. I am not looking forward to it. I am because I know that if I don't like it, I don't have to eat it, but you have to eat one full one. Oh, I don't know if we agreed on that. I think we did. Why come you gotta eat one full one? Because of the, the Mystery Machine match, we didn't do it this episode, but we do a weekly trivia. And the one who doesn't get as many points has to eat a whole hot dog taco. It'll be tasty. I'll make it tasty. I, I mean, I'm sure you will, but like, if I don't like it, I'm not eating the whole thing. <laughs> I don't like hot dogs to begin with. <laughs> well, Shannon hasn't officially lost yet, so you basically lost. <laughs> but that's not the only thing we're doing next week. We're also going to be doing our special topics. So we've watched one episode from each Scooby-Doo series so far, as well as one movie. Now we're going to do a special topics where we discuss either comic books or video games or any other kind of Scooby-Doo media aside from the mainstream it can be, cartoons. You know, it can be cross episodes with other episodes, anything fun like that. Yeah. So we do have a list of many different things that we could possibly discuss next week. Shannon, are you ready to spin the randomizer? Yeah. All right, let's hit it. And next week we will be watching Bravo Doobie Doo. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. <laughs> Stephanie's off on the side cheering. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we love Johnny Bravo. for those of you who don't know, Bravo Doobie Doo is a really popular piece of Scooby Doo media where the gang meets Johnny Bravo. The brief premise provided by Scoobypedia is Johnny Bravo gets help from the gang while looking for his missing aunt. That's it. <laughs> I want to point out that, like, I've never seen this one specifically. You've never seen Bravo Doobie Doo? No. I've never seen this. Everyone has seen Bravo Doobie Doo. I've never seen it. Um, also, I like Johnny Bravo. How dare you act like he's... Oh, no. What are you going to say? He's not my favorite. If it's something negative about my boy, Johnny Bravo. How oh, dare you? He's, uh-huh. he's not my favorite... On the planet. Get out of this room, Shannon. This one here, mama. You don't even know. <laughs> I was raised as a strong feminist woman who did not need no man. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. But Johnny Bravo <laughs> believes in you. Oh my god. No, I am. Um, I do like Johnny Bravo. I actually did really like the cartoon when I was little, but I grew out of it rather quickly. We're gonna have a fun week next week. Wow. <laughs> If you guys want to watch this episode before we review it next week, you can find it on the Season 1 DVD set of Johnny Bravo, which actually leads into my fun fact for the week, which is the fact that Bravo Dooby-Doo is not a Scooby-Doo episode, but rather a Johnny Bravo episode. In fact, it is the seventh episode ever of Johnny Bravo. So it just really needed a lot of help getting off the ground, is what you're telling me. Basically, like, its seventh episode that it ever had was a crossover. Like, okay, so you know how... Scooby-Doo just needed Johnny Bravo. Doubtful. Okay, what you're telling me is, you know, most shows get signed up for, like, a six-episode contract. 
This was the seventh one, which means that, like, they probably had to talk the producers, like, all right, look, 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 Johnny Bravo's gonna be really cool, look, we'll pair him with Scooby-Doo and everybody will love him, look, look, look. So are you at least excited about this then, Shannon? No, I am, I'm excited, because, like, I, I, I did like Johnny Bravo. It's not like I hated it. I, I did like Johnny Bravo. I just grew out of it kind of quick. Like, it was, it was there, and then I was done. I recall some really fun music from this episode. So before we start to give our send off, we will remind everyone about our giveaway that's going on on the podcast. We have a Scooby-Doo stuffed animal whose color is currently still concealed from you all. It's not brown. It's a lovely one of the rainbow. But if you want a chance at winning it, all you have to do is either tag us or message us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or email us and let us know what your favorite episode of this podcast has been so far. Or what your favorite episode that we've reviewed is so far. On Twitter, you can reach us at GroovyScoopCast. And you can also find us at Do Central on both Instagram and Tumblr. You can also email us at ThatGroovyScoopCast at gmail.com. Alex, we want to thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you had a good time. Oh, thank you. I had a good time. It was a lot of fun. What was your favorite part? Not the movie. movie. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about tacos. Charlene. 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 (laughs) Well, we hope you come back to join us again sometime soon. Do you have anything else to say, Shannon? I'm just... This movie was so bad. I'm just speechless. (laughs) And y'all know I'm not speechless that often. No. Well, with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode of That Groovy Scoopcast. Come back next week for a Scooby Snack filled time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.